on topics in Avodah Hashem. Our main focus is an area in Avodah Hashem that is sometimes overlooked upon, namely our emotional attachment to Avodah. For some, Tzela seems to involve a mere movement of the lips, performing mitzvahs, a simple movement of the limbs. This lack of emotional attachment is because of the unawareness of the unlimited supernatural koichas that lie even within the most basic areas of Avodah Hashem. One doesn't always realize that every single action of a person when performed with the goal of serving Hashem is loaded with koichas ein soif. Therefore, our aim is to raise this awareness in order to increase our emotional attachment to Avodah Hashem. Our goal in this series is to discuss the areas of Avodah Hashem beginning with waking up in the morning, continuing with the first mitzvahs of the day, namely, Al-Nathim Tzitzis, Tfilin, and of course, Tfilah Shachim. The main focus is of course on Tfilah, but because the above-mentioned mitzvahs are all in fact preparations leading up to Tfilah, therefore it's important to discuss them at length, and therefore, Be'ez HaShem Isbarach will devote a separate share for each of these mitzvahs. Having said that all areas of Avodah Hashem are old Dvarim or Indim Rumish it wouldn't do justice to turn in and begin immediately discussing with these discussing these mitzvahs without a lengthy introduction to Avodah Hashem in general. This introduction to Avodah Hashem will serve, in fact, as important background information to assist us in understanding all the future shiurim which will all Beis Hashem is be built up on these sides discussed over here. Therefore, this first share is devoted to discuss these Yisaitis that are absolutely essential and necessary for all the coming Shira. Some of these Yisaitis may sound deep and difficult at first, but are nevertheless very fundamental. And once they are clear in our minds, we'll find the rest of the Shira much easier to comprehend. It therefore might be necessary to listen a few times to this share, to listen to this tape until everything is clear. But eventually, when everything is clear, we'll be able to apply these decisions in many, many future shiurim in Hashem. To make things simpler, this shir is divided into various parts, each part with its own subtitle. That these shiurim should bring nachas ruach The first part of this share is titled Understanding Bria for Olam and Bria for Adam. Because only when we appreciate what the creation of man entails will we begin realizing how powerful and how far reaching all his actions really are. Let's review the Torah's account of the creation of Adam. The Prophet says in Peric Bay's Prophet Zion, Man is composed of two parts, of Guf and Neshama. His Neshama, and only his Neshama, is called Nishma Chayim, because it is the source of life. The Guf has no independent life. It's a doimim. It's inanimate. Depending entirely on the Neshama to survive. 
When a child is born, the neshama enters the guf, and life begins. When the neshama departs, life ends. At Chesanesim, the neshama returns once again to the guf to complete the cycle. We may not realize it, that this life cycle is constantly taking place every day. We wake up in the morning with a kind of a new birth, where the neshama literally re-enters the guf. During the day, the neshama remains, but only to depart again at night time. In Mesechus Brochus, Chazal refers to sleep as a form of death. Therefore, each morning, when we wake up, we are in fact experiencing a type of Tchiyat HaMesim, which is why we make the Brocha, HaMachs HaNeshama Tlifgore Mesim. So this life cycle is actually a daily cycle. Later we'll discuss how this cycle repeats itself not only once in a life, not only daily, but also from second to second as well. But Akotani, meanwhile, we've discussed that in Bria Sa'odam there's two parts. The living entity that's called Neshama and a Doimim that's called Guf. We all know that Adam was created on Erev Shabbos, the last of all the Nebron. Chazal explained that Hashem created the whole Bria Sa'odam and then gathered together a small piece of each element of the Bria and created Adam. Adam actually represents a microcosm of that very same Bria. When we look at Adam, we are in fact beholding the whole Bria in one. In other words, Adam isn't a Nivra within the framework of the Bria. He is in fact the Bria. There is the larger Bria, that's called Bria Soilam, and then there's a mini Bria called Adam. But the mini Bria called Adam is identical in every detail to the larger Bria. It's just a mini scale model of the larger Bria. Because the mini Bria originates from the larger Bria. So obviously, everything that we see in Adam, there is in Bria. Chazal go further. Adam, in fact, controls the larger Bria around him. Hashem gave Adam the Koyach, Adam the power to make or break, to create or destroy everything in the world. Every machshava Dibur of Adam generates a corresponding Koyach in some part of the Bria that's identical to that of Adam. Each of his physical actions generates a physical reality in the world that corresponds to that action. Each machshava generates a spiritual reality corresponding to that machshava. Each mitzvah creates a Koyach of Tikkun and each Avera Chasusholam a Koyach of Kilko. We'll soon discuss this at greater length. But I call upon him, meanwhile, we can surely suggest that if we've just mentioned that Bria Sa'odam is basically divided into two parts, and the larger Bria is identical to Bria Sa'odam, then it too must also be divided into two clear parts that correspond to Guf and Neshama. Man's Guf would must originate from Bria's Guf, man's Neshama must originate from Bria's Neshama. The question is, where do we find in the Torah that Bria Sa'ilam is Ba'is and Klali is generally divided into two parts? It's possible that these two elements of creation are introduced at the very beginning of the Torah. Bereshes bara lekim etashamayim ve'esaharet. Shamayim is the neshama of the Bria. That's where man's neshama originates from. 
In fact, Hashamayim has the same gematria as Neshama. Man's goof originates from the Oret. In fact, the officer of Nason, it's something well worth looking up, in Perik Lamed, Lamed Aleph, says the officer of Nason, that each part of man's goof has a parallel in Oret. We find the Torah talking about the Chiso as Ein Ha'oret, eyes. Vaftiftach Ha'oret as Piha, as a mouth. He goes through many, many parallels to the Varam of Adam in, in Oret, in the Bria. And not only the limbs, not only the varam, the hair, and everything that we find in man's goof has a parallel in art. So we can surely say, therefore, that the neshama of the Bria is Hashamayim, the gematria of neshama, and art is the goof of the Bria. If it's true that Adam's goof and neshama originate from Shamayim and art, from the goof and neshama and the Bria, then it's obvious that Shamayim must be identical in every way to man's neshama, and Oret must be identical in every way to man's guf. And therefore, it must be that Shamayim is the source of life in the Bria, as is neshama, the source of life in Adam. And Oret obviously has no independent life in Bria, as it is the case by the guf in Adam. Just as by Adam, only when the nishma Chaim is lowered into the guf, does Adam represent a living entity? That's when his life begins. So too in the Bria. Only when the Shamayim is lowered into the Oret is the Bria a living entity. But Oret on its own is Doimim like the Gus. It's significant that both Shamayim and Oret are both introduced in the same posset. Because they, together and only together, do they represent a living entity. The Ma'aranayim comment that the next Pasuk, the second Pasuk in the Torah, that begins V'ha'oret, deals exclusively with the earth. It's no coincidence that as such it's described as Toyu, V'voyu, V'choyshech, an empty, barren place, void of life. Because on an Oret on its own is identical to the Guf of Adam on its own, which is also void of life. Now, Yeshaya Novi writes in Perik Memhei, Loi Toyhu Boro meaning in other words the world wasn't created that Oret should be alone a separate entity to Shemayim because alone it's Toyu Vavoyu Vachoshech and Loi Toyhu Boro the Bria was not created to be Toyhu if the world wasn't created to be Toyhu if it was created to be an existing living entity then obviously the purpose of the Bria and the sole purpose of the Bria is to bring Shemaim down to Oret. To connect the two. To keep Oret alive that it shouldn't be Toyu. This is what's meant by the Tosuk Kimei HaShemaim al Oret that we say in Shema. Bringing Shemaim down to Oret. That's the whole Tachlis of the Bria. Keeping the Bria's existence. Keeping the Bria's Neshama in its Guf. This Yisod can be, even, can be understood more easily when looking at the miniature Bria, Adam, with his own Shemaim and Oret. Just as man's Adam's central and most important avoid in life is staying alive, namely keeping his Neshama within his Guf, without which he couldn't survive, and to this end he'll invest all his strength, his money and his time. So too in the larger Bria, bringing the Shemaim down into the Oret 
it is the central avoid in the Bria because it is critical for the largest Bria, for the larger Bria's very existence. In fact, the Torah hints at this comparison by beginning the Potok, Leman Yirba Just as in the most important Avoida in Odom is keeping himself alive, that's called the Man Yirba so too the most important task in the Bria is Kimea Shemaim al Keeping the Bria alive. The Kimea Shemaim of the Oret in the Bria is the Leman Yirba Yemechim of Odom. Now it's important to mention at this point that man's existence and survival that's being discussed here as being the most important avoider in life isn't merely the physical one. When we say that the most important avoider is to stay alive, we don't mean the physical survival, to stay healthy, etc. Because then the greatest Ota Hashem would be the nutritionist and the fitness expert, and this obviously isn't the case. Furthermore, Chazal Seba Meforosh, Russia, despite his apparent good health, might be considered as dead. Because even though his neshama is there, it is good, he's alive, he doesn't feel it. The neshama is unreal to him. The neshama has no influence on the goof. It makes no impact on his goof. So it's as if it's not there. It's as if the goof's alone. If the goof's alone, that's Misa. Therefore, the avoider of keeping himself alive means the feeling of the nash- feeling the neshama in the guf. When Adam feels his neshama, when his neshama has an impact, an influence on his guf, that's considered that the neshama is in the guf, that's considered that the man is alive. That's the real avoider of Laman Yirbayamechim. Bringing the Nishma Chaim, bringing the neshama's influence to be felt in the guf. Parallel to this, the real Kimea Shemaim and the Oret Nebriya means bringing Shemaim's influence down into the Gulf. Feeling Shemaim down here in Oret. When Shemaim is felt, and when Shemaim has an impact on Oret, that's what's considered Kimea Shemaim al Oret. That's what's considered Esa Shemaim, Esa Oret. Without feeling the Shemaim down here in Oret, they're a separate entity. And then Oret plunges into the second pasuk in the Torah, where it's Toyu Vavoyu Vachoshekatanesahim. Now we mentioned earlier that every action and avoider of Adam generates identical parallel in the Bria, and therefore Kosh can hear when discussing the existence of the Bria, the existence of the entire Bria, that Adam's neshama having an impact on his goof generates Shemaim's impact on its its goof on the Oret, which is the very existence of the Bria. The greater Odom's Neshama's impact on his Gulf, the greater impact the Shemayim has on Oret. That's the real Laman Yerba Yemechem that causes the real Kimea Shemayim on Oret. At this stage, we really begin having some idea, some feeling of the magnitude of Odom's actions, connecting Shemayim and Oret together. He's in charge of keeping the whole Bri in existence by making his Neshama a reality in his Gulf, which causes the Shemayim to be a reality in the Oret. That's the Kiyam Habriya. With this, we end part one that was titled Understanding Briya Sa'odam and Briya Sa'odam. In part two, let us turn to the practical application of all this avoidance. Namely, what does it mean for the Guf to feel the Neshama? What sort of feeling does the Guf have on its own? Does the Neshama have on its own? 
And what does it feel like for the guf to feel the neshama? These concepts are very difficult for us to understand because we have mistaken ideas what's real and what's ikam in the world. We tend to see the guf as the focus while the neshama seems somehow unreal. And therefore in part two we'll devote to explaining this yourself. We mentioned earlier that in the first pasuk, Shemayim and are mentioned together. And therefore, Lachoira, the secret of this existence of Shemayim and being together, which is the existence of the Bria, must lie in this pasuk. This pasuk must teach us how to bring about that Shemayim and should be together. And obviously how Neshama and Gufin Adam should be together. It's possible that the secret lies in the very first word of the Pasuk, the very first word of the Torah, and that is Bereshit. It's possible that the word Bereshit is the key to understanding Shemaim and Oret, and above all, understanding the Chibur that must prevail between Shemaim and Oret, to connect them, to keep them together. The word Bereshit will then also teach us the secret in Avodah Sa'odam, how he unites his guf and neshama together. How he, how Adam maximizes his neshama's influence and impact on the guf. All this, we'll see, Be'ez Hashem's Barach, lies in the word and the meaning of duration. And therefore, part two is titled, Understanding Duration. We know that another word for Rashid, for Bereshit, is Chochmah. As it says, Rashid Chochmah Yirat Hashem. And in fact, the Targum Yerushalmi here translates the word Bereshit as the Chochmah. And therefore, the Avoidah of Chibor Shemaim Ba'oret, Chibor Gufan Hashemah, will lie in this word and in this meaning of Chochmah. How? Chazal say that Chochmah is Rashi Tevis Koach Ma. The power of the middle of Ma. Ma, translated literally, means what? It's connected with the quality of another and Bittel. What are we exactly? Similarly, Chochmah is connected with the word Ayin. Like the Prophet says in Eir Peret Chochmah, V'achochmah me'ayin timotze. V'achochmah me'ayin tovot. And Ayin is also associated with the middle of Bittel and another. The feeling of total self-nullification. Me'ayin, from nothing. Like the middle of Ma. Ma and Ayin both represent the absolute shlemus of the middle of Anova of Bittu. Chochmah is Ma and Chochmah is Ayin. Because Chochmah is the middle of Bittu and Ayin and Anova. In Tikkunah Zoya it says that the letter in the Aleph face that represents Chochmah is the letter Yud. Not surprisingly, the smallest letter of Meidot. When Yud is written phonetically, when it's written, Vemiluyoy, is the word, the letter Yud comprises the letters Yud and Dalit. Yud Vav Dalit, Ve'ika Yud and Dalit. Yud is a dot. And Dalit, Dalit, when written phonetically, also means poor. As the Gemara says in Shabbos, Gimel Dalit is Goimel Dalit. Poor, being poor is the feeling of being totally dependent, negating one's whole Yeshus, one's whole Messiah. That's Yud. And therefore that's Chochmah. So Chochmah is represented in the letter Yud. Of the feeling of dependency. The feeling of total self-nullification. 
Moshe Rabbeinu was, as we know, the Onot Mikol Adom. And therefore, it's only natural that we find him using both the word Ma and the word Ayn. In Parshish B'Shalach, he rebukes Kalisro. And he says, V'nachnu Ma Kisalino Aleinu. Who are we? What are we to complain? In Parshish Kisiso, he uses the word Ayn. He says to Hashem, V'im Ayn Mecheinino. Underlying just how much he has negated his own independent self. Because he is the Yon of Mikolodom. And therefore these words, Ayin and Ma, are typical in his vocabulary. Moshe's name actually contains the letters of Ma. Furthermore, Batya called Moshe, Moshe, Kimin Hamayim Mishitihu. Mayim, water, we know, is the symbol of self-nullification. As Rabbi Hanina Be'ida says in Masechus Tanis of Zion, that why is Torah normal nimshla Torah lemayim ma mayim holchil mokem gavoya lemokem nomuch after the Torah emis kaim elamishadafe shfeila mayim represents falling from high to low and mayim represents another and therefore Moshe Rabbeinu is the on of mikolodom he is the ma he is the ayin he's called Moshe kimina mayim shisivu I heard in the name of Rabbi Miller the Tzal from Gateshead that the root of the word maim is in fact ma. The root of maim is ma. Just like chokhmah is ma, maim is ma. In fact, the Zohar Kodesh says specifically that maim actually symbolizes chokhmah. They both have the equal middle, the quality of ma. Ramilla also pointed out that in the same as Lashon HaKodesh, ma is the shayrish of maim, in English and Yiddish as well, the root of Mayim is Ma. In English, Mayim is water. And Ma is what? What? Water. In Yiddish, Mayim is Vata and Ma is Vat. That's the middle of Mayim, of Chochmah, and that's the middle of Moshe Rabbeinu. And that's why it's called Kimina Mayim Meshitil. So I call upon him, coming back to Bereshus, it would seem that if Bereshus means the Chochmah, then it seems that the Torah begins its, its description of Bereshit Olam with the avoider of Mach and Ayn, and therefore begins with the word Bereshit Bechokhma. Also, as the Prophet says, Hashem Bechokhma Yisad Oret. Chokhma seems to be the Shorish of the Bria. It would follow, therefore, that the Prophet, the first Prophet, Bereshit Bora, the Prophet's message is that through the middle of Bittl, of Mach, of Ayn, of Chokhma, Shemaim the Oret, are kept together as one union, as one united existing entity. As Kimea Shemaim al Horet. Without this middle of Bereshit, of Chokhma, of Mach, they are separate, and Oret is left alone, resulting in Toyu Vavoyu Vachoshech. Soon we'll explain how the middle of Bittl unites them, and keeps Shemaim the Oret together, keeps the Bria together. But beforehand, let's turn first to the practical application of this middle of Bittle. What is this middle of Bittle? How do we get to this middle of Bittle? Better said, how do we rid ourselves of the natural feeling of yeshus that prevails amongst all Nebron, that clashes with the middle of Bittle? The answer to this question leads us to one of the most fundamental ideas in Emuna, revealed to us by the Heilige Baal Shem Tov, Yogan 
He bases the Yisoder Emunah on the Pasuk and Tehillim in Perek of Yotet. Lo'olam Hashem Dvorcha Nitzav Bashamayim. Your Dibur Hashem is always there in the Bria. Meaning, the Dvar Hashem, the words of the Asorim Amoras, the letters of Aleph that are called Dvar Hashem, that created the world in the first place, exist at all times, in present within every nivra, recreating every nivra, every second, of the, every second the same way, the identical way they were created in the first time during my celebration. Again, the Dvar Hashem, the Thorma Morris, the Alephi, that makes up the Dvar Hashem, that created the world in the first place, exists at all times within every nivra recreating them every second the same way they were created the first time during my celebrations. Each new Bria, each nivra lasts only for one second. Then the Dvar Hashem that's in them creates them again. The Noam Elamelech points out that the Hebrew word for all that's created is nivra, not bara, because nivra is present tense and the action is constantly in the present tense. That's the meaning in the Pesach. The Dvorcha is is always there in the Bria. It's worth looking up the second Chelech of Tanya, Shayichud Ve'emunah, when Shayichud Ve'emunah explains this, he devotes a few prokhim to, explain to explaining this he thought. Now it's important to mention that it's obvious that when we talk about Dvar Hashem, the Dibur of Hashem, we mustn't translate this literally that Hashem speaks, Hashem spoke Hashem doesn't speak so what does the Dvar Hashem mean? the answer is the Dvar Hashem means the Chiyos the Chiyos that Hashem is Mechaya the Bria because we know the Targum says in the Pesach Vayihi Ha'odam Lenefesh Chaya says the Targum Onkelos Leruach Memalala the Koyach Adibur another word Another name for the Koyach HaChaim in the Bria is the Dibur Hashem. And that's all, oh, that's a cloud, I'm not going into it now, that's a cloud. That Koyach HaDibur is Koyach HaChaim because one speaks from the Hevel, from the Hevel. The Hevel is the Ruach, the Ruach, that's the Neshima, the breath. The Neshima is the same word as Neshama. So therefore, the Koyach HaDibur is basically the Koyach HaChaim. But I call upon him. The meaning of the Prophet Leila Mashem Dvorch and Nitzvah means that the same Chiyos Ki that is in the Bria from my Sabrashas is constantly there within every Nivra being Mechaya it every single second from Ayn Ve'efes. And without this Chiyos Ki that's Mechaya every Nivra every second the whole Bria Beklau and every Nivra Beprat wouldn't and couldn't exist for one single second. This is also the deeper meaning in the Pasuk of the Atom Mechaya Eskulam. The Swam Akdoshan teaches us that the word Atom, Aleph, Tov, Hey, refers to Aleph, Tov, all the letters in the Aleph space from Aleph to Tov, and the Hey refers to the five final letters that we have in the Aleph space. The Mansapach, the Mem, the Nun, the Tzadi, the Pei, the Chof. Therefore, the Atom means, the Atom Mechaya Eskulam means that the Atom, those letters of Aleph space that Hashem uses, in the Bria to create the world 
they are Mechaia as Kulam. They are constantly Mechaia the Bria. And Mechaia is also written in the present tense, Mechaia. Because Hashem is constantly being Mechaia the Bria. It's a parallel Pasuk. This Pasuk of Atta Mechaia's Kulam is a parallel Pasuk to the Pasuk of Oilan Hashem Droch and Nitzah Just there in Tehillim, the word Dibur is used, and here the word Mechaia is used. But both Pesukim are saying the same thing. That, the, that those Rachiyas Hashem is being Mechaia, the whole Bria, keeping it in existence every single second. So basically the lifespan of the Bria is a single second, a single unit of time. That's as long as it lasts. Because then a new Chiyas is necessary to keep it in existence for yet another second. That's what we meant earlier. That really, the Chiyas Amesim cycle isn't a one-time cycle. It isn't a once-a-lifetime, nor is it just a daily cycle. But in fact, it's happening every single second. Every single second is a new Chiyas, a new Chiyas Amesim of the Bria. The simple conclusion drawn from this Yisod is that if nothing in the Bria can survive independently for one single second without the Chiyas Hashem then the question that follows is what exactly makes up the Bria? Who are we? What are we? This feeling of what are we and who are we is in fact the called Ma. This is the ma we mentioned earlier that makes up the word chokhmah. This chokhmah, this middle of ma of chokhmah leads us to the feeling that we can't survive for a single second without the constant chiyas of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that keeps the Bria in existence every single second. If this Yisod is true about the larger Bria, so too it must be the case within the mini-Bria, within Adam himself. The mid of Chochmah by Adam must teach us that Adam cannot survive independently for one single second without the Chiyas of Hashem. That's the meaning of the Brocha Asher Yotah. Asher Yotah es Adam be Chochmah. Hashem creates us with the mid Hashem created us with the mid of Chochmah. And this leads us to the conclusion that This mid of Chochmah teaches us that The same Chochmah that, targum, that the Targum translates from the word Bereshit at the beginning of creation that the creation can't survive independently for a single second also introduces This Chochmah emphasizes how without Hashem we couldn't even survive for one second. There's no Bria for one second and there's no Odom for one single second. With these words we end part two which was titled Understanding Voracious. We now have a deeper meaning to the words Voracious, Bittel, Anova, Ayn, Emma. The Torah begins its account of Bria Soilam with Voracious, with Chachma, so that we should be aware that the story of the Bria isn't history, it's happening all the time. That's possibly Rashi's question in the beginning of Bereshit, the first Rashi. That why doesn't the Torah begin with a Chodesh Because we know the moon represents the Chodesh in the Bria. 
the moon represents the idea that the Bria is constantly being Nishadish all the time. And therefore, if that's the underlying message in Bereshis, we could have just as well began with the mitzvahs of Achodesh of Elohim, which relays the same message. But I cope on him with this deeper meaning of Bereshis. We have now ended part two. In part three, we'll continue the Potsuk to establish how Shemaim and Oret react to this Yisod of Bittl in Bereshis. How they connect to it. And this will lead us closer to our goal in understanding how this Bittl of Bereshis is essential to make Shemaim the Oret one united living entity. One Kimea Shemaim al Oret. And therefore, the title of part three is Understanding Shemaim and Oret. Let's begin with a question that might have disturbed you early on in the year. We just quoted the Pasuk, L'Oilam Hashem, Devorcha, Nitzav, B'Shamayim. The Hashem is Mechaya, the Bria, every single second. If it's true that the whole Bria, both Shemaim and Oret, were created and exist constantly every second, B'Dvar Hashem, why does the Pasuk then make mention of Shemaim only and not Oret? Loyalam Hashem Dvorch and Nitzav Bashamayim. The Chorah, the Potok should have read, Loyalam Hashem Dvorch and Nitzav Bashamayim of Oret. To connect the Oret as well with the Hashem Dvorch and Nitzav. Because the Dvar Hashem is Machaya, the Oret in the same way as it does Bashamayim. And the same question arises in yet another Potok. Bidvar Hashem Shamayim Nasu. The Chorah surely should have said, Bidvar Hashem Shamayim Vaoret Nasu. Why does the Dvar Hashem refer to Shemaim only and the Oret? But the answer is, certainly the entire Bria was created with Dvar Hashem and is constantly re- being recreated with Dvar Hashem. But the Prophet teaches us that only the Shemaim and not the Oret is the natural base for this feeling of Atam Chaya Eskulam. That leads obviously to the necessary bitter. Shemaim naturally radiates with this feeling of an Atot Mechayet Kulon, with this avoider of Bittl that's represented by Bereshit, by Chochmah. All the elements of the heavenly Bria understand on a fundamental, on a fundamental level how Achiyah Hashem creates and sustains them every second out of nothing. They feel Ayin Va'ethes as they stand in constant awe and self-nullification before Hashem. There's no capital I in Shemaim. There's only Hashem's reality, the Metzias of Hashem. And all the Nivram there feel that their whole Metzias, all their Koiches, are the Metzias of, of Hashem. And their whole existence is to fulfill His Ratzim. Chazal clearly tell us that none of the Nivram in Shemaim conflict with one another. Because conflict can only exist when different Koiches develop an idea of self-importance and independence from one another. And therefore, the differences between them cause the conflict. In Shemaim, however, Oisei Shalom bin Reimov, peace and tranquility prevail. Because all the creatures in Shemaim realize that there is only one Messias, the Messias of Hashem. And everything else is ma, is iron, is bottled to that Messias. There's no individuality, there's no independence from that Messias. And therefore, there's no two sides, there's nothing to clash. Even different and opposing koichas are not two sides and therefore don't clash. To clarify this, the Gemara Chagiga, in the beginning of the second parak, quotes an opinion that Shemaim is actually made up of two words, Eish and Maim, from which it was created. 
fire and water are prime examples of opposing entities that cannot exist alongside one another. In Shemaim, however, they aren't opposite. They aren't even distinct from one another. They are united. They make up the word Shemaim. They are united with a common goal of serving Hashem. They feel that this is their whole Matthias. There's nothing else. The same is true of the Malachim. Michal controls Mayim, water, and Gabriel controls Eish. Michal's Chesed, Gabriel is Din. Each Malach is in fact designated for a different Shlichus from Hashem. And nevertheless, Kulam Ahuvim, Kulam Berurim. Why? Because Kulam Oisim Be'emov Yira Retzoyim Chinam. The Malachim recognize that Hashem is Mechaya them every single second of their existence. And therefore they aren't an independent Messiah, Klal or Klal. They feel the Viata Mechaya's Kulam, that there is only one Messiah, the Messiah of Hashem, that's Mechaya them every second. And therefore, they're completely buckled to that Messiah, and therefore by not feeding themselves in an in, in, uh, independent Messiah, peace and tranquility prevail. Oisei Shalom B'mraimah. With this we can explain the prophets in the Chemia. Ata hu Hashem levadecho. Ata sisa ata shemayim, shmei shemayim, etc. Ata hu Hashem levadecho. The word ata reminds us of the Hezbo we mentioned earlier. The letters Aleph to Tov with the five final letters that represent the Dvar Hashem, the Chiyas of Hashem. That's Mechaya, the Bria every second. This word ata shows more than anything else. That hu Hashem levadecho. You are alone, HaKadosh Baruch You are the only Messias. There isn't another independent Messias in the world. How does that pot again? The Atom Chaya Eskulam. That same Atom that proves that you are Hashem Levadecha. Because it shows that you are Mechaya Eskulam. In other words, since you are Mechaya the Bria every single second, in reality everything else is I in the effort. In Shemayim this is recognized in self. And therefore, how does the pot again? Atom Chaya Eskulam Utzvah Shemayim Lachomishtachavim. They bow, because bowing is the greatest expression of bittle, of subservience, of utter bittle to a superior power. The Tzvah Shemayim L'chom Ishtachavim is a natural reaction to the feeling of Yata Mechaya Eskulam. The, the bittle that's caused by clear understanding, the Atu Hashem Levadecho, the Atu Mechaya Eskulam. Let us take this a step further. The Gemara Sanhedrin, the beginning of Perek HaChelek says, Antinus asked Rebbe, why does the sun rise in the east and set in the west? To which Rebbe replies, Rashi explains that the sun rises in the east and sets in the west because the Shekhinah rests in the west. And therefore all day long the sun moves slowly and steadily towards the Shekhinah, towards the, the west, setting slowly as it gets closer and closer until the ultimate bow, the ultimate ishtachavor, otherwise known as sunset. Even from the beginning of the day, the sun is constantly preparing itself for the ultimate act of subservience, the complete bittle represented by the sunset, the bowing to the Shekhinah. In fact, this is very ironic, because the sun symbolizes memshola, hamor ha-godl memshola sayon, and if a ruler of such strength, of such prominence, totally nullifies itself to ser- in serving Hashem, Kolchken, so do all the other Nebroim in the universe. 
This also explains why the heavenly Nivrama compared to an army. Why they're called the Tzva Shemayim. Because a soldier is the best example down here of absolute nullification. Because he carries out orders at any cost, regardless of the consequences, without questioning his superiors. These orders usually or often involve risking his life, risking his whole Matthias. So he represents, the soldier represents the absolute bittle to a superior power. That's the feeling amongst the Nevroim and Shemaim. Obeying Hashem's will is their whole Matthias. Their absolute feeling of bittle makes them into an army. With this Yisod, we can also understand the other opinion there in Chagiga, the beginning of the second paragraph, that the word Shemayim comes from the word Mayim. Water corresponds to Bittl, as we mentioned above. And Shemayim, we've just explained, is the embassy of that Bittl. And therefore it's made from Mayim. We know that Mayim, no, we know that Mayim also represents Chaim, as we know Mayim Chaim. And it's no coincidence, because the closer we are to, to realizing that the Atomachai is Kulam, the more we mevatl ourselves, the more we realize that our own Yeshus doesn't have Chaim, the only Chaim is the Atomachai is Kulam. So the more we mevatl ourselves to Hashem's Messiah, in feeling that He is the only Messiah, the closer we are to the Makor Chaim. As the Prophet says, Ki Chaim. The more we cling to His Messiah, the Atomachai Vekim Hashem Lekechem, Chaim Kulchem Ayoyim. So therefore, Mayim, that represents Bittl, obviously represents Chaim. Chachma, that represents Bittl, must also lead to Chaim. And in fact, the Potok in Kehelet, Perik Zayin says so beferish. The Chachma to Chaye is Baaleo. Chachma is Mechaye Baaleo. Why? Because Chachma is Bittl. Bittl is Chaim. Mayim is Bittl, so Mayim is Chaim. Oretz is the exact opposite of Shemayim. Oretz is the world of Yeshus. Earthly creatures have an illusion that they exist because of their own choices. The capital I prevails. It's difficult for any earthly being to actually achieve bittle, let alone feel deeply that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Mechayet Kulam. Bowing in subservience to Hashem may be possible physically, but it's far from natural. Like we say in Musaf, Physically we can bow, but it's not the necessary, it's not the, it's, it's not the same bowing. It's not the bowing with the necessary level of bittle as they had with Mansha Bittam English. Instead, Oret is a world of independence. The Almud of Pruta. His and Evron relate to one another as separate entities, often at cross purposes. Water extinguishes fire. Fire makes water evaporate. Animals prey on other animals. People rob, slander, abuse, and murder one another. So Oretz is the exact opposite of Shemayim. Because without Bittl, there can't be any actors. Everyone feels he's independent. He is the boss. So every other Koyach stands in potential opposition to him. Therefore, unlike Shemayim that is made from Mayim, Oretz is made from Ofa. Ofa represents death. Like it says, Me Ofa Atov El Ofa Toshuf. The dry offer that the human body decomposes into. Where there's the Atamachayas Kulam, there's Chayim. Where the Atamachayas Kulam isn't felt, the result is Misa. 
If we need Mayim down here, it has to come from Shemayim. It has to come from the Mokam of Bittu. Having said this, that Shemayim and Oret are two opposites. Shemayim naturally feels the Atamachayas Kulam. Oret doesn't. We can now understand why the Pasuk L'Oilam Hashem Dvorach Anitzvah Shemayim and the Pasuk of Bidvah Hashem Shemayim Nasu. Why these two Pasukim make reference to Shemayim and only Shemayim and Oret. Because only Shemayim feels the Atamachayas Kulam every second of its existence. However, Oret with its feeling of Yeshus doesn't connect to the feeling of Atam Achayis Kulam. And therefore the Pasuk L'Oilam Hashem Dvorcha, the feeling that HaKadosh Baruch is Machayis Kulam, L'Oilam Hashem Dvorcha Nitzvah, every second, that can only make mention of Shemayim. Because they live with this feeling, but Oret doesn't. It's obvious therefore that in order for Oret to exist and to survive as a living existing identity, an entity, it also has to connect to this feeling of the Atamachayas Kulam. Then it's alive too. With that same realization of the Atamachayas Kulam, then the Bria has been brought to its flame. That's what Dovda Melech refers to in the Prophet and Tehillim in Perik Samatov. Kol Ha'aret Yishtachavu When the Tzvah Shemaim has finally descended to Oret, and Oret joins in the bowing, then Shemayim Oret have become one Rishos. So in fact, it is the Bittal that unites the two. We can now understand the Potok, Bereshit, through Chachma, through the Bittal, Bora Lekim, Bet HaShemayim, Bet Oret. Hashem created them as one Rishos, one united, existing, living identity. The Bittal makes them one. Without the Bittal, if Shemayim's Bittal isn't felt in Oret, if Oret feels is, is on its own, then the Oret is Yeshus. And Yeshus is Toyu Vavoyu Vachoshech in the second part. So basically, the Tachlis Abriya is to make a massive revolution. To take two parts that make up Briya Soilam, that have the opposite nature, and unite them, making them into one. Who has the supernatural power to take two divided and opposite parts of Bria and stick them together? Of course, Adam. Because he's also divided into two parts, which are in fact identical two parts of Bria Soilam. And therefore when he unites his Shemaim Oret, it simultaneously generates the Shemaim and Oret in the Brick Bria to be united. With these words we end part three with a deep understanding of Shemayim and Oret, and how they connect, how they react to Bereshit. Having discussed that Shemayim, Oret, and Nebriah must connect to Bereshit in part 3, it's only natural in part 4 to apply all that's been said about the Shemayim, Oret, in Bereshit, Oilam, to Shemayim, Oret, in Odom. And therefore, part 4 is titled, Understanding Odom's Shemayim, Oret. Here in part 4, we'll point out just how identical Adam's Shemayim Baoret is to the Bria's Shemayim Baoret. And therefore, how, when he makes this revolution in his own Shemayim Baoret, it generates the identical revolution in the Bria. So let's proceed now to part 4. Let's turn to the mini Shemayim Baoret, the Neshama and the Gulf. If Shemayim and the Bria represents the absolute bitter then the Shemayim in Adam represents the absolute bitter, the Neshama. 
If Oret and Bria represents Yeshus, then so does the Guf, the Oret of the other. If Shemaim represents life, water, then so does the Neshama. If Oret represents Yeshus and Ophar and Misa, then so does the Guf. Let's elaborate, beginning with Neshama. Man's Neshama constantly feels the Atamachayas Kulam, like the Shemaim. Man's neshama feels that its existence depends upon the chiyas of Hashem, and therefore the neshama yearns constantly to return to its source, to be bottled to the makorah chayim. The neshama wants more than anything else to be completely bottled to the messiah of Hashem. We know that man's neshama is compared to a ner, ner Hashem nishma sodom, a candle flickers, showing its desire to return to Shemaim where it feels at home only to be held back by the driest wick of this world. And therefore the Neshama is called the Nishmas Chaim. Because it yearns for that Chaim. It yearns for the Ki'im Kumachor Chaim. We can even go a step deeper. Because the Neshama we know is based in the Moach, in the brain. The Neshama is based in the brain. What resides in the brain? Chachmah. So the neshama that's based in the brain pairs up with chokhmah that's also in the brain. And chokhmah is the ultimate bit, and so is the neshama. So chokhmah and the neshama both pair up in the mark, because the, and the mark is and the mark is chokhmah, and therefore that mokom in the person is kulei bittel to Hakadosh Baruch Let's go even deeper. Shemayim we know is made from mayim because it represents Bittl. What do you think the Moach is created from? Because I'll say that the Moach is also created from water. The Moach is created from the life-giving foundation of water. We know that Bri is made up of Eish, Maim, Ruach, and Ophel. So also man is also made up of Eish, Maim, Ruach, and Ophel. And the brain is the Mayim. And the Lave is the Eish. And the Hevel is the Ruach. And the Guf is the Ophel. So therefore the Neshama which is by nature the ambassador from the Shemaim, can only relate to man's moach, his brain, with its Mayim foundation, with its capacity for, for Chochmah, and its life-giving potential. Man's goof, however, when it's on its own, it feels no connection to Shemaim. It feels completely independent, with a capital I leading the way. Like Oret, it's therefore composed of Ophor, of death. His neshama, man's neshama, Adam's neshama and guf are two opposites, just like the Shemai Moritz in the larger Bria are two opposites. And therefore, when Adam begins connecting the two together, i.e., when he make, when Adam's neshama begins being felt in the guf, when Adam's neshama influences the guf, has an impact on the guf, then in turn, Shemaim Baruch begins to connect together. Then Shemaim begins its descent to the Oret. That's Laman Yirbu Yemechem, bringing life into the guf, bringing the neshama into the guf, which causes Kimea Shemaim al Oret, bringing the Shemaim into the Oret. How does Adam go about bringing Shemaim down to the Oret? bringing his neshama down to his guf, to be felt in his guf. The first step is that he must concentrate on his neshama's capacity for bittle. He must remember that all the heavenly nivram nullify themselves in serving Hashem. 
He must try to imitate them. Adam's goal is to nullify his individual being to the point that any feelings of yeshus, of arrogance, of independence completely disappear. Man's goof must be trained to yearn for his neshama's domination. He must realize that he isn't really an existent entity after all. Once Adam accepts that his entire existence is based on the Chiyah Hashem that creates and recreates him every second, and that he could, exist, he could cease to exist in a split second, when, his, when he realizes this, when he internalizes this, it shows that his neshama has begun to emerge within his guf. The peak of this avoider, when the group realizes with absolute certainty that Hashem is the true Mechaya, that occurs when the group literally bows down to Hashem. Just as we mentioned earlier, that bowing is the ultimate bittle to Hashem that's caused by the Atamachayas Kulam. So too, when the group begins feeling, feels that the Atamachayas Kulam, it also bows. The bowing of the group shows just how much influence his neshama, his otzva shemayim, has had on his guf. That his guf is now following the pattern of the neshama, of the shemayim, of the otzva shemayim, of the We bow during Shemayim Esra when we begin and we say the word Atta. Because the word Atta is the other face of the five final letters mentioned earlier. That corresponds to the Chiyas Hashem of the Atamachayas Kulam. That regenerates, that recreates the Bria every second of its existence. And that feeling of Atta the natural reaction to that feeling of Viyata is the same reaction as the Viyata Machayas Kulam, which is a Tzvat Shemayim Lucham Mishtachadim. Therefore, in Shemayim Esra, we bow when we say Atta. We also bow towards the end of Shemayim Esra, by Moidim, because Moidim is a bracha that represents the Viyata Machayas Kulam. As we say, Al Chayeinu Amsurim Yedecho, V'yal Nishmoiseinu Hampukudis Loch, V'choyl HaChayim Yeducha Selo, meaning, all things that feel the Atamachayas Kulam constantly praise you, Akkadosh Baruch Hu, and bow down to you, Akkadosh Baruch Hu. Similarly, when we end Shemayin Esra and we say, Oisei Shalom Ben Roimov, we also bow. Because this recalls the bittle amongst the Malachim. And we vow to follow the example of the Atamachayas Kulam, Utzvah Shemayim Lachom Mishtachadim. We end Shemayin Esra having bowed, having reached their bittle. So it's only natural to mention their Oisei Shalom Ben Roimov and to bow while doing so. At this point, Adam has joined the army of Hashem. When this miniature revolution takes place in the small Bria, the larger Bria changes simultaneously as well. And its Shamayim allows into its Oret. Its Oret feels, feels the Bittle. Its Oret also radiates with the Bittle of the Hishtachava to HaKadosh Baruch and that's again what Dovna Melech meant in Tehillim, Perik Samach Vov, that Kol Ha'aretz Yishtachavu Lecha V'Yizamu When the group bows, showing Otzvah Shemayim Lecha Mishtachavim, the Oretz also bows. The natural bowing of Tzvah Shemayim has now descended to the Oretz. And when all this happens, then all traces of Toyu Vavoyu V'Choyshech disappear from the Oretz. And instead, the radiant light of Hashem's Messias prevails and fills the Oretz as it does in Shemayim. As we daven to Hashem, Toir Eretz Mechwidecho. We pray for this union of Shemayim of the Oret. 
that the or the or of Hakadosh Baruch Hu should shine in the Oret and Shemaim in Oret should become one entity of Bittel and Ishtakava to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. We have now ended our interpretation on the first pasuk in the Torah, Bereshis, which is translated as Chachma, derived from Koyach Ma, from the Ayin Timotei. This power of ma, self-nullification, this foundation, it's on this foundation that the Prophet continues, Bora Elikim, Eta Shemaim, Veta Oret, together. Both the heavens and the earth are created in order to reach the ultimate Shleiman Habit. With these words, we end part four. Now in part five... We enter a new part from the, the new part of the show. Part five is titled Odom Harishan. Here in part five we'll discuss how close Odom Harishan was to reach the Shlemus. We'll discuss the challenge of Odom Harishan and what actually happened, the tragedy of the Chetali Saddam. If Odom Harishan's task is the avoid of bringing Shemayim down to Oret, it makes sense that he's created on Erev Shabbos. Because we know on Shabbos, Adam receives an Hashem Yisrael. Which means a greater portion of Shemayim enters his goof. He is created just in time to fulfill his potential in the world, in this world. On Shabbos with his Hashem Yisrael, suddenly Adam feels an overwhelming desire to perform this Avoidah of the Neshama of the Shemayim. This is precisely why Adam welcomed Shabbos by saying, Boi v'shalom, turning to the west and bowing. What does this remind us of? Utsvah Shemayim Just as the sun bows as it approaches the west, where the Shechina rests, so too Adam physically nullifies himself before HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Adam has now brought Shemayim down to the earth. Chazal recognized the significance of this unique time when they selected certain chapters of Tehillim for Kabbalah Shabbat Avinu. Looking carefully at the following Sukkim and counting the number of times bowing is mentioned is the message is very clear. Boyu nishtachav ebenichro nivrocho lefnei Hashem yitzinu Hishtachavu l'Hashem b'hadrath koidesh chinum upon of kolores Saying we took him with Kavona is the most logical preparation for our eventual bowing in Boi Bishon. Just as the sun prepares itself all day for its eventual bowing down, so too we prepare ourselves in Kabbalah Shabbos by assuming our own place next to the rest of the bowing soldiers in Hashem's army. No wonder why we find such a large presence of Malachim down here during Shabbos. Every single Jew is accompanied home from Shul by two Malachim. We sing in their honor, Shalom Aleichem, Malachi Ashores. We recite a detailed and lengthy Kedusha during both Shachras and Musaf relating to the same Kedusha of the Malachim. Kashem Shemakdishi Moisai Bishmei Morim. Just as the principle Avoida of Malachim involves singing Hashem's praises, the Chuzchim is PM 
We too sing Zemiris all Shabbat long. We wish one another Shabbat Shalom because Shalom is the prevailing order amongst the Malachim in Shemaim. And of course we emphasize Shalom in singing to the Malachim. Shalom Aleichem, Boyachem Neshalem, Bochini Neshalem, Seizchem Neshalem. We join forces with them in song and in Shalom because we all live in the same world and are part of one large army that performs its common avoidance. Shabbat takes the Bria back to Maitha Bracious, where Shemaim arts were one, and the world was full of Shira. We sing in Lachadoidi, Soif, Maaseh, Bamachshova, Techila. That Techila refers to Bracious itself. In Tikkun Zoya says that the letters Bracious spell Toav Shir, Kaviochal, as if Hashem deeply desires our Shira. When the whole, on Shabbat, on this holy day, with the whole Bria, Shemaim Baaretz, El Yonim and Tachtoinim is all one united force in the post, one united Rishus in the post of Bereshis, Toaf, Sheer, we burst into Shira, the Zimra, to show that we're back in the post of Bereshis. Rashi connects Bereshis, Rashi, the beginning of Parshish Bereshis, connects the word Bereshis to Am Yisrael, who are also called Bereshis. And therefore, the letters of Yisrael, not coincidentally, also spell the Sheer Kale. Naturally, the way the Jews the Yidin, the Rashis, in Bereshis, return to Bereshis, is by singing. The more we sing, the deeper our connection with the Bereshis. Just like Shemaim is deeply rooted in the original creation, when all the Nevron open their mouth together, the Shira of Zimra, on Shabbat Shemaim, or it's reuni- reunite, when all the Kalal Yisrael also sing the Shira of Zimra. And therefore, if Adam original would have welcomed Shabbat without sinning, Instead, had he taken in Shabbos with its entire with his entire body, both by bowing in Boi Vishalim and by singing Zmir to Hashem, then his goof would have turned into pure Neshama. Had he felt his Neshama, he in every limb of his goof. This, he would, his whole goof would have changed into Neshama. His goof bows, and this would have changed the larger Bria around him that keep, that would have created the Shlemus of Kimeh Shemayim Alorim. In other words, he had the opportunity of, reuni- of reuniting Shmai Moritz as they were in the original Maitre Bereshit and in the first topic of Bereshit Borla Kim as the Shmai And as one, they would have, Shmai Moritz would have forever prevailed as one unit. A tragedy had struck. Tazim translates Orum as Chakim Labish, an evil Chacham who inverts the entire concept of wisdom of Chochmah. The Nochash's motto is the opposite of Chochmah, the opposite of Koyachmah. It's Yeshuf. Not only is he incapable of true bittel, he even compares himself to the same level as Hashem Rachman Islam, as he tells Chava that he eats him Kelekim. Chava initially resists eating the fruits from Neitzadah, understanding that doing so would bring death. She's still on the Madrego of recognizing the Atom Kulam. She knows that every second Hashem grants her and the entire Bria new life, one slight misstep, and she'll be cut off from life. That's why she tells the Nochosh that she's going to die. I will die if I eat. The Nochosh challenges her. You won't die. So the Shaklevatari over here is will she die or won't she die by disobeying Hashem? Who is in charge of life? If Hashem is Nechayef Kulom, it's of course fatal to disobey Him. But if man's Chiyas exists independently, then he can do what he wants. 
The Nochosh pushes her until she touches the Yitzhadar, as Rashi points out. And then says to her, if you didn't die by touching it, you won't die by eating it. His message to her is, you live independently. The Chiyas is yours. As if to say, erase Vata Machayas Kulam from your vocabulary. Once that is done, of course the Tzvah Shemayim, the Chomesh Tachavim, is also gone. If the Bria, if the Nivra exists independently, why bow in subservience to our Kodesh Baruch Hu? The Nochash was Oiker of the Atamachayas Kulam, and therefore, obviously, he was Oiker of Tzvah Shemayim, the Chomesh Tachavim. And therefore, Rashi points out in the Pasuk, Al-Gachoyn Choteilech, that Hashem punished the Nochash by cutting off his legs and by deliberately spreading his body over all over the ground, forcing him into a permanent bowing position he would have never assumed on his own. Like the Mitzudas in describing the, the bowing position says, Shatuach kol gufoi boret. That's exactly the position of the Nochosh. The bitter he refused to feel is now forced upon him. He becomes a symbol of constant bowing. In other words, he who denies Vatamachayat Kulam does not deserve his legs. And that's what we say every night in 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 in, uh, in Maris. Hasom nafsheinu b'chayim v'loi nosan l'moit ragleinu. Once we acknowledge that chayim comes only from Hakadosh Baruch Hu, our legs will not fail us. The Nochash denied the hasom nafsheinu b'chayim, and therefore he didn't deserve the bracha of v'loi nosan l'moit ragleinu, and his legs were chopped off. Furthermore, the Nochash is punished. V'ofa toichal kol yemei chayecho. The Nochash's sustenance, sustenance, his mezoinus from now on, will be the symbol of Bittl, of Ofar. We know Ofar corresponds to Bittl, like Avram says later, Anoichi, Ofar ve'eser. Ofar is the grand one treadmill. So even the Nochash's sustenance represents Bittl. And this is very ironic, because overeating is one of the things that usually causes a person to feel too much Yeshus. As the prophet says in Hazinu, Vayishman Yeshurun Vayivah. But in the case of the Nochash, Eating causes the ultimate bittle. The more eating, the more bittle. His position is bittle. His sustenance is bittle. The one who tries to erase bittle becomes the symbol of bittle. Says the Pasuk there, By Yishmu et koir Hashem alikim is halech begam leruach hayoyim. Odom and Chava hear HaKadosh Baruch voice coming to rebuke them. From which direction? Leruach hayoyim. Rashi explains that the word Ruach Hayoy means that they heard Hashem's voice coming from the same point where the sun begins its daily trek from the east, moving steadily to the west. That's where HaKadosh Baruch the Koyal Alekim was coming, beginning in the east and moving steadily towards the west. Why is it significant for the Prophet to tell us this? And why is Hashem's call moving steadily from east to west? But it's significant that Hashem's voice of rebuke follows the path of the sun. Because Hashem's reminding Adam and Chava that up there in the heavens there's a sun whose entire existence is dedicated to bowing to the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the first human beings apparently had forgotten this message. They had lost the sense of little represented by the sun when they disobeyed Hashem's command. And therefore, this is a chelet, this is part of the rebuke, part of the techocha. Remember the sun. How dare you forget the sun. How dare you forget the mor ha-godl and How the sun completely, completely nullifies itself before the before HaKadosh Baruch Hu by bowing to Hashem. How could you forget and disobey Hashem's command? And now for the aftermath of the chet in the Bria. The Medjish Rabbah points out, the Medjish Rabbah is in Bereshit Rabbah, Perik Yotef, Posit, Oisyot Beit. 
says the Medrash Rabbah that before this sin, the Shechina resided amongst the Tachtoinim. The Ikka Shechina was the Tachtoinim. But afterwards it departed. In the terms we've been using, this means that Shemaim had been on the verge of permanently descending to Oris. And the central avoid of Kimea Shemaim al Oris had nearly been completed. But sin caused Shemaim to depart. Left alone, cut off from its original union with Shemaim in the first Pasuk of Bereshit, Oret begins its plunge into Toyu Vavoyu Vachoshech in the second Pasuk. Now Shemaim and Oret are not only separate from one another as entities, they become opposites. Shemaim still naturally radiates with Bittl, with the Koyach of Ma'av Bereshit, but Oret is infested with Yeshus, disconnected from Bereshit, resulting in Toyu Vavoyu Vachoshech. Having, having ignored the sun's message of Bittl, it now seems that the sun's light has entirely disappeared, and all that remains is Choshech. Appropriately enough, Chazal called the following 2,000-year period a time of Toyu. A period with no instances of bowing, a period of the Oret being infested with Yeshus. The aftermath of the Chet in the mini Bria Odom was obviously identical to the aftermath in the larger Bria. Just as Shemaim, the Neshama of the Bria, left Oret, the Guf of the Bria, so also man's Neshama must now leave his Guf to return to its heavenly abode, thus the introduction of Nisan. Death, is the most, in, in the most human terms, is the ultimate form of Toyu Vavoyu Vachoshim. For the generations following Adam, the, the, the human race became lost in a world of death, of loneliness, of emptiness because Oret had been completely, become completely separated from Shemaim and it's whole, completely as it is in the second person and the only attempt to reconnect Oret to Shemaim takes place where the Dor HaFloga takes the opposite approach of taking the, the, down the Bittl of Shemaim in Oret instead they try to raise the Yeshus of Oret all the way up to Shemaim they unite together by because they know that the code to enter Shemaim is Achtus is is so they united in order to be able to enter Shemaim but it was false because really they felt the Yeshus they wanted to rebel against HaKadosh Baruch they felt independent they felt the Yeshus and Yeshus we mentioned earlier causes Pirud and therefore their punishment was Midah they were dispersed they couldn't even communicate one with the other they sunk into the greatest, deepest levels of period. That's the result of Yeshus. Only Bittl causes Achtus. Yeshus causes the opposite. And for the next long period in history, it didn't cross anyone's mind that the only way to recapture the Shemaim is by being Mavatl, the Yeshus of the Oret to Shemaim. By bringing down the influence and the impact that Shemaim can have on Oret and add until Kol Oret Yishtachbur Hashem. It didn't cross anybody's mind, this Avoida. This revelation would have to wait until the world was blessed with the holy neshama of Avraham Avinu. With these words, we end part five. Part six will begin the tikkun of the Chet of the Adam. The tikkun of Adam and the tikkun of the Bria. And therefore, the title of part six is tikkun. The Gemara Balavastra Das Tesvav says on the Pasuk, that this Pasuk that the word Ezrochi refers to Avram Avram is called Ezrochi there is another Pasuk 
And the Gemara Sanhedrin says that that the Mizrach refers to Avraham Avinu. So we see Avraham Avinu is called Ha'ezrachi and Avraham Avinu is called Mizrach. Rashi explains there in Sanhedrin that Avraham Avinu is called Ezrach and he's called Mizrach because he came from the east that's called Mizrach. Now the Mitzudas on the Pasuk Mimizrach, Shemesh Avnavoy explains that why is the east called Mizrach? Because it's there that the sun rises. And rising is Zricha, to shine. When the sun shines, that's Zricha. And therefore the east, where the sun rises, is called Mizrach. So if Avram was called Mizrach, Mi Heir Mi Mizrach, it must lead us to say that Avram Avinu is intrinsically connected somehow to the sunrise. And in fact, Chazal clearly explained that the 2,000 years of Toyu ended with the birth of Avraham Avinu. That Medrash that we quoted earlier that says that the Shechina left Oret following Adam's sin, that Shechina began to descend once again with Avraham's Avoidah. Avraham begins teaching others to look up and watch the sun as it shines forth from the east and then makes its westward descent. He reintroduces Avoidah bowing down as if the sun and its message suddenly reappeared again for the first time in 2,000 years. And that's why he was called Mizrahi. People began watching the sun rising in the east and following its path until it bowed to the west. He teaches his contemporaries this he thought that every second again, and therefore he encourages them to bow down in absolute bittle to Hashem. Like we said earlier, the feeling of Kulam causes bittle. Like the Ramam says at the beginning of, of Hilkas Avodah Zorah, that Avraham Avinu taught his, uh, his contemporaries, he brought back the Ishtachavah. We therefore bow in Shema and Esra when we say Mogan Avram because he had introduced Dang to Hashem. He had introduced the message of Ata Mechayes Kulam. And therefore the next Brach in Shema and Esra is Mechayes Mesim Ato. Because the bowing in Mogan Avram testifies to Avram's teachings that had restored the Ata Mechayes Kulam. That we, that, that we experience the Nutchis Amesim every second. Which is, which is, the Svamak say, is the deeper meaning to the, to the, to the bracha of Atagibalon Hashem. So when we bow in Mogan Avram, we testify to Avram's message, we immediately continue that Atagibalon Hashem Machayim Avram, in fact, practices his preaching. As soon as he gets to Earth Yisrael, Rashi explains that he immediately searches for his ultimate objective, Harabayas. Because Harabayas is the capital of bowing down. When Avraham Avinu reaches Harabayas later by the Akeda, Avraham Avinu explains to his servant, Avraham Avinu totally internalized the apostles of Atamachayas Kulob and therefore yearns to bow as the Tzvashmaim Lachamishtachavim do. In fact, the Tzvashmaim Lachamishtachavim do. the Heliger Rogachov, the Tzvashmaim Lachamishtachavim, who is known for his ability to summarize ideas in one or two words, calls Avraham Odom Hachachma and explains the episodes in Parshat Lech Lecha accordingly. He explains that Avraham Avinu traveled by Yisavram Holach Benasoya Hanegba, southward. Why? Because south is connected with Chochmah. Horoitza Lahachim Yadrim, says the Gemara in Bovasudat Chotei. When Avraham goes to Mitzrayim, he refers to his wife Sorah, 
has a sister because of a similar connection. And he compliments her that she's Ish Ifat Mariot because Chokhmas Odom tore upon her. In other words, Avraham Avinu is the Odom Achokhma. The Palatani explains that the word Avraham comes from the word Aver Ma. Aver means the vessel, the Kali of Ma, of the middle of Ma, of the middle of Chokhmah. The Morinai and Pashas Vayera says so with Ferish that Avraham Avinu is the Merkava, the middle of Even the middle of Chesed, usually associated with Avraham Avinu, originates in Chokhmah. We know the Shurash of Chesed is in Chokhmah. In Safar, in Safar, both require complete selflessness and the ability to give away everything. One with the little necessary for Chokhmah can, genu- can genuinely feel for one, for another human being and bestow the appropriate kindness. The wise man asks, Who am I? And therefore he gives without any thought of his own needs. And therefore, Avraham Avinu had internalized the mid of Chochmah, the mid of Zitl, and that's why he says, He feels that the Chiyas of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Nechai him every regga. He feels that the more Chochmah, the more Chiyas, because the Chochmah is Nechai at Alel. It's ironic that the Pesach of Anoichi Ofev Eifah is in Peret Yud Ches, Pesach Chob Zayin. Peret Yud Ches is the letters Chai. Pesach Yud Chob Zayin, Chob Zayin is 27, which is the, the letters of Aleph Base, the 22 letters of the Aleph Base plus the five final letters. And therefore the Pesach of Anoichi Ofev Eifah is saying that that's why the Torah, that's why it's introduced in Peret Yud Ches, Pesach Chob Zayin, the Peret of Chai, the Peret, the Pesach, of the, of, the, of the 27 letters of the Aleph base which make up the Ato Mechayes Kulon. All this is manifested in the episode in all custom where Avraham Avinu is willing to practice his preaching of Anoichi of Eifah and literally be reduced to ashes in order to refer to, in order to serve Hashem. The miracle of escaping alive from all custom from the burning furnace shows ironically that the bittle of being reduced to ashes actually brings more chayim. The bittle, the chokhmah, the chayim brings more chayim, more life and not death. The more bittle, the more chayim. And therefore this episode is mentioned specifically after the passage of Atam HaChayim's Kulam Tzvashmaim L'Chomish Tachavim Atahu Hashem Lekim Hashem Acharto Avram Voitzeisim Or Kastim So after so many years of yeshus and darkness, Avram brings little chokhmah and rashes back into the world, the cavalry. Avram in his wisdom teaches the world that also the Oretz has to radiate with chokhmah with little, and above all with the word rashes. Avram takes the Oretz out of his dark, out of its darkness, out of Toyevavoyevachoshech in the second pasuk, and joins it with rashes in the first pasuk, alongside Shemayim, where it's one united force with Shemayim. That's his life, Savoida, the Kimea Shemaim al In Avram's generation, people began discussing Shemaim v'Oretz in one breath. People are realizing that Tikkun Abriya is Kimea Shemaim al but the Shemaim al are united. This is well illustrated by Mount Tzedek, who blesses Avram in very good by saying, Baruch Avram, okay, Elyon, Koini Shemaim V'Oret. Rashi explains that what does the word Koini Shemaim V'Oret mean? Just like Hashem creates Shemaim V'Oret, so too He owns Shemaim V'Oret. Somebody in this world, in Oret, does now recognize that just as Hashem also owns Shemaim, so too does He alone own Oret as well. A, revolu- a revolution clearly has taken place. Oret has now returned to its rightful place alongside Shemaim, as in the Torah's first possible. Avram responds by presenting Malchitzedek with Maisa. Vayitin loy Maisa mikol. 
Why? Because Maisa itself is called Reishis the Goncha and Devarim in Perik Yudchev, which indicates the power of Reishis that's ingrained in the Oris. Therefore, Maisa that comes from the Oris is called Reishis because it indicates the power of Reishis that's ingrained also in the Oris. By giving Maisa, we proclaim, yes, indeed, Oris also originates from Reishis. This is Avram's life mission, to take the Oris out of its dark chaos and return it to its primary union with Shemayim. And that's why the Pasuk of Rishas Agoncha and Dvarim is also in Perik Yudchez in Pasuk Chai. Because showing that Oret is rooted in Shemayim is taking it out of Toyu Vavoyu Vachoshech, taking it out of Misa into the Chaim alongside Shemayim that's represented in Chaim. Having succeeded in taking Shemayim Oret and making two opposites, one, one union, we can understand how a constant stream of angels seem to visit Avram in his house. So many that Rashi says that even Hagar wasn't frightened when she later encountered the Malach. Because Avraham Avinu's house is the embassy, Shemaim's embassy in this world. In order for Shemaim and Oretz to connect, there must be a meeting point. Shabbos represents such a meeting point, as we mentioned earlier, with all the Malachim who reappear every week. Avraham Avinu's house also becomes such a meeting point as well. And that's why on Friday night we recite, Mogin Ovis Bidvarai, Mechaye Mesim Bamamoroi. Corresponding to the feeling of the Atamachayas, Kulam Avram restored back down to Oret. Shabbos is the day where we feel the Shemaim down in the Oret. And therefore we can't help but mentioning the others, mentioning the others whose Avoida restored the unity of Shemaim Oret by spreading the message of Atamachayas Kulam down here in Oret as well. In fact, when Adam Arishan is created, he stretches all the way from Oret to Shemaim. Only says the Gemara Chagiga there that he stretched all the way from Oretz to Shemaim, only to shrink later to earthly proportions after his head. Now Avram begins to span that gulf. He's the first of Adam Rishon's descendants to ascend to the Shemaim and then return to Oretz again. Like Rashi says in the Pasuk in, 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 uh, in Lech Lecha, in Perik Tezvot, Habet Na Shemaimah, says Rashi that HaKadosh Baruch Hu took Avram Avinu out of the world and put it back again. In other words, it's as if Shemaim Oretz has become one Rishus. By force of Avram Avinu's Avoidah, these two realms, these two, these two Rishuyas of Shemaim Oretz have become one Rishus again. For this reason, Yeshua called Avram in, 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 in Sefer Yeshua, Perik Yudalit, HaOdom HaGodul Ba'anokim, the giant Odom that stands from Shemaim to Oretz. With this we end part 6 with the Bria close to its Sikkim. Avram Avinu bore the Bria very, very close to its Sikkim. Yaakov Avinu, in part 7, will discuss the finishing touches that brought Adam back to its Sikkim Asholim. The finishing touches were brought about by Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu makes the final touches of that Sikkim of Avram. He brings Back complete. He brings the Oret back completely to the level. He brings Odom back completely to the level that it has been prior to Odom Rishon's head. In fact, Chazal say that Yaakov Aminu looked like Odom, says the Gemara and Bob Messiah. Shufrei the Yaakov, Kein Shufrei the Odom. Just like Odom wasn't originally created to die, his Nishpas Chaim was to permanently, permanently reside in his group. So to Yaakov by Yaakov, Chazal say Yaakov Aminu, Loimei. In fact, Yaakov Avinu's name, it's, uh, his name itself is made up of two examples of Bittl. Because, of Riyak, because ya- Yaakov Avinu continues Avram Avinu's ways of Bittl. The word Yaakov stands for Yud and Akev. Yud Akev. Yud stands for Chochmah, as we mentioned earlier. And Shlema Melech connects Akev with Anova, as the prophet says in Mishni, Akev Anova, Yerash Hashem. Yaakov is the ultimate manifestation of Bittl. 
on the level of the Malachim. The Malachim themselves accompany Yaakov Avinu everywhere, which we see explicitly when he leaves Eretz Yisrael at the beginning of Pasha's Vayetzeh. And then when he returns at the end. If you look at Rashi at the end of Vayetzeh, we know that Yaakov Avinu has always got Malachim accompanying him in Chutzlah, in Eretz Yisrael. Because Yaakov Avinu brings Shemaim and Ars together again to make them Mamish one Rishos, with a constant stream of Malachim moving back and forth between the two domains of Shemaim and Ars. Yaakov in a dreams when he sula mutavato veroishem agia shemaimo when he malachi lekim oylem yordim boy. Just as a ladder is used to accept one floor from another in a house, because of Yaakov in his avoda, this ladder connects shemaim and oret as if they were both part of the same house. Interestingly, the Balaturim points out that the gematria for Yaakov is in fact malach is in fact malachi lekim. And therefore, just like Maisa, as we mentioned earlier, is Rashi to Gonchal, Yaakov Vinu promises, because Yaakov Vinu is also showing that the, that the Rashi, that the Oret is now again with Shemaim in the first part of the Imbereshis Lakim, and therefore he also promises Maisa. Yaakov is equivalent to Adam before the Chet. So just like Adam was challenged with the Yeshus of the Nochosh, Yaakov is challenged with the Yeshus of his Nochosh, of his brother Esau. Esau, as we know, is the capital I. Esau's sole ambition in life is Yeshus, rulership. Val Chardachotichye is Esau's most fitting bracha. A hunter of animals in his youth, he graduates to pushing people down, asserting his leadership, and finally to murdering people. He is the pure Edom, red, lust with power, and thirsty for blood. He is a real role model of Yeshus, with one wish, to spread his authority of Yeshus, through the world. No wonder why Homon's descend no wonder why Esau's descendant Homon is sick with power, demanding that the whole world has to bow down to him. Naturally therefore Esau proclaims his entire Yeshus oriented life is one long sequence of death. At the end of Pasha's Vayishlach, the Sukkim that named the Malachi Edoim form a pattern. Vayomaz Dola Vayimloch, Vayomaz Yoiva Vayimloch, Vayomaz Chushon Vayimloch. Esau's addiction to ruling in this world leads into a path of death. It leads into a path of Hina Anoichi Oilech Lamas. Only Bittl, the dependence of Hashem for Nuchias every second of the day, brings life. Esau, whose quest for independent leadership severs any connection that they might have otherwise had with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, leaves him only with the symbol of death. Homon's, um, Aesop's descendant is Amolek. And we know Reishis Goyim Amolek v'achrisei adeyoyim. What does it mean, Reishis Goyim Amolek? Aesop claims he doesn't need Hashem's Reishis. He doesn't need the Bittl. He has his own Reishis. Reishis Goyim Amolek. Just as the Nochash asserts himself on HaKadosh Baruch Hu's level by declaring his independence, so Aesop declares his independence, his own Reishis. Therefore, if he's declaring his own Reishis, being severed from the true races that leads to his ultimate destruction, the end of the process, his inevitable demise resulting from his yeshiv. Yaakov and Esau wrestled for the Bechorah, to be the Bechorah. Yaakov Avinu had bought the Bechorah from Esau. Because Yaakov Avinu wants to return, to remove the false races from his evil brother Esau, because we know Bechor is also called Rashid. 
like the Prophet says in Vayechim, Ruvain, Reishas Oini, Koichi V'Reishas Oini. So Esau, by saying Reishas Goyim Amalek, he claims he's the Bukhar, he's the Reishas. Yaakov Vinu has to buy over the Reishas from Esau to remove the Reishas from his evil brother and return the Reishas to its proper place, to the Reishas Baralekim. Yaakov wins, buys the Rashid, and brings Shemayim back into Oren. When Esau realizes that Yaakov had acquired the Bechoira, that is called Rashid, with intent to restore the distorted Rashid of Esau to its proper place, Esau gets very upset. Oret is returning to Shemayim. Esau is losing his grip, his shlita on Oret. And therefore he sets out to kill Yaakov. Esau wants Oret to remain on its own. He wants the Oret of Toyu Vavoyu Vachoyshach up in Esauim. He doesn't want he doesn't want the Oret to be together with the Rishis, and therefore that's why he sets himself a Rishis to say as if to claim that the Rishis of Oret doesn't have to go back to the first pasuk of the Rishis Barulekin. We have our own independent Rishis. And therefore Esau is intent to kill now Yaakov, to steal the Rashid back from Yaakov, and to, and to, and to restore the Rashid to his own Rashid, to the Toyu, to the, that the Oret should be Toyu Vavoyu Vachosha. Yaakov therefore flees to Choron. By Yolin Shom Kivah Hashemesh. Suddenly in the middle of the day, says the Pesach in the beginning of Ayetze, the sun disappears before its time, plunging the world into Toyu Vavoyu Vachosha. It seems that Avram may have brought the sun back to Oret, but now it seems that the sun has again disappeared. Yaakov is frightened that this is a sign that Esau is winning. The Oret has plunged back into the second pasuk, where it remains alone, isolated in Toyu Vavoyu. It seems that it won't be re- Oret won't be reunited after war with Shemaim. Therefore Hashem reassures Yaakov in his dream that he has won the struggle. Shemaim Baaretz are reunited to the extent that there is a constant stream of angels ascending and descending in what's clearly one ration. That's why there and then he had the dream of the Sula Mutzavat of Aesop makes a final attempt at victory. He sends his Malach to intercept Yaakov and they struggle by Yovek Ish Imoy. Rashi brings down, the Balaturim brings down, it's based on the Gemara Chulim, that by Yehovik is the lotion of Avak, which means they kicked up dust that reached the Kisya Kovat, says the Balatur. This means that Yaakov is out to show that the dust of the Oret can reach the Shemayim all the way to the Kisya Kovat. And Yaakov even won the struggle. Oret.